Well, good morning. I'm glad to see you guys. If you slipped in between the last time and this time, um, just want to say hi. My name is Chris. I'm the lead pastor here, and I'm just uh, honored to be uh, spending my Sunday worshiping God with you. Uh, we can see, if you look around, that we are in the middle of summer vacation season. And that's okay, because you guys get to hear the good stuff. Now take it back to everybody else and tell them, you missed something really good today. Uh, let me pray for us, and then we'll get started. Father God, uh, I just come to you, first of all, as an imperfect human being. And so I ask that you take your perfection and your uh, supernatural power and speak through me today. Uh, this is an important message. I know it's an important message for you uh, because you wouldn't tell us if it wasn't. And so we ask that, that you just soften us, make us like clay to be molded to your words, to your truth, to your reality. Uh, because so often we get wrapped up in what we want, and we need to step back sometimes and understand that it's not about us, but it's about you. So God, continue to fill this place as we worship you in word and as we continue through this service, we want you to be here because without you, nothing else matters, God. We love you so much. We pray all this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. And together as a church, we will all say amen. If you were at home, type amen. Uh, let me start with this question. Who are your people? You know what I'm talking about. I mean, there's people, right? There's people. And then there's your people. Those people that... Through thick, through thin, through rain, sleet, snow, just like the post office, those people are going to be there with you no matter what. You're people that you can call up in the middle of the night and have an ear to talk to. Those people who can call you up in the middle of the night and have an ear to talk to. Your people. Who are your people? And we've got some interesting names for your people these days, right? We got some people call them your ride or die. Some people say the people who got your six, I don't really even know what that means. I don't even know what got your six means, but somebody out there does. All the young people are like, I know what that means. I don't. I don't, right? See? See? The young people even, they're like, what? Got your six. I don't know. But the people that you will go to the ends of the earth for, the people who will go to the ends of the earth for you, your confidant. I might call them my posse. That's one of the words I would use, the people, right? And for some of us, this might be our family. It might be. It might not be. Um, I hope that at least our kind of nuclear family would be in that group of your people, your posse, your, your folks. It might be friends. It might be friends that you have had since you were just a little baby. It might be friends that you just met a couple of years ago. It might be friends you just met three days ago. It might be your brother. It might be your sister. Uh, you might have lots of people in your group. You might have a few people in your group. You might only have one. I know for me, I, other than my family, Susie and Emily, and my, my kind of nuclear family, the ones that sleep under the same roof as me, I really only have two of these people in my life. Guys that I have known forever and ever and ever. Names are Tom and John. And I've probably talked about them in the midst of a sermon once or twice. But Tom I met in the first grade. And John, I met in the fourth grade. And here's the thing about here's the thing about um, here's the thing about your people, right? 
I, I can tell you quite honestly that uh, at least one of these people I haven't seen in over two years, not for physically, face-to-face, in person. But I know no matter what happens, if I needed him, he'd be there. If he called me up and needed something, he'd be there. Now, we talk on, like, Facebook and text message and emails and stuff like that. Other guys, same way. I don't see him very often. Um, in fact, we might get a chance to see him when we're on vacation in a couple of weeks, and uh, that would be cool. But, you know, but anywhere, anytime, anything, anything they need, anything they're going through, anything I'm going through, other than asking me to help them move. There is a list of things ain't nobody got time for, and that is right up on the top of them, right? That one. I am too old to do that. Call a, rent, call a moving truck. That's what I'm thinking of. Your people. But, but here's the thing I find interesting. Have you ever noticed how you feel when you're around your people? Have you ever noticed how you feel when you're kind of in that midst, in that group, and you're all together, right? No matter what's going on in your life, no matter how down you may be, no matter how stressed you may be, no matter how much junk you might be having thrown at you in your life, when you're around your people, you feel better. When you're around your people, you feel like you can do anything. When you're around your people, you just feel something. It's almost like you got superpowers, Right? You're like, your people superpowers. What's my superpower? My people. With my people, different people in my life, I have done some pretty cool things. With my people, I built a deck that was 20 feet by 24 feet in just one day. Whole deck. That's pretty cool. With my people, I actually put vinyl siding on my whole house in a week. That's pretty cool. Scary, because I don't like heights. With my people, we actually built a shed. One of those people I think is rich. Rich and me built a shed in my backyard in a day. Now, not roofing and, tie, you know, that kind because of, I had to climb up to do that. But walls, everything, floor, it was all done in a day. You can do amazing things with your people. And those are nice things. Those are great things. But there is a group of people, another group of rider dies, another posse of people that I want to kind of think about today. And these people have done some really awesomely amazing things this group of people has been responsible for hospitals being built this group of people has been responsible for entire school systems and colleges and universities being built this group of people has fed hungry this group of people has cared for people when nobody else would this group of people has brought hope when there is probably no hope to be brought this group of people has been the voice for the voiceless And not only those things, which are pretty amazing, wouldn't you agree? But this group of people has managed to spread the good news of Jesus Christ throughout all the world. And it's been going on for centuries and centuries and centuries. This group of people is what we have come to know as the Acts 2 Church. We talk a lot about the Acts 2 Church. It was the first official church there wasn't even the word church at that point in time they didn't call themselves the church they called themselves the way or followers or ecclesia which means called out people they were they were there for something different and we've read through acts 2 several times i mean it's kind of like where we live at hope springs church but let me just remind us of what was going on here in the acts 2 church this is acts chapter 2 verse 44 if you have a bible or a bible app you can turn there Acts chapter 2, verse 44. If you go to your New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts is the next one. And here's what it says. 
Acts chapter 2, verse 44 says, All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Now, let me give us a little background because we don't always talk about the background of what's happening here. We talked last week that Jesus died. He rose again, and he kind of walked around this earth for about 40 days, showing himself, proving that he had risen. He was actually Jesus in bodily form. He wasn't a ghost. He wasn't an apparition. He was physically there, raised from the dead. And when he was getting ready to ascend, to go up back to heaven to his father, he told his posse, his guys, he said, I'm going up to my father, and you will receive the Holy Spirit who will give you power, if you remember this from last week, give you power to do amazing things in this world. And so as he goes, they're kind of sitting around in their room. They're probably a little depressed. They're probably wondering what Jesus is doing. You know, is Jesus sitting up there with God, drinking a latte, you know, on the sidewalk at a little cafe table, you know, whatever they're, they're thinking about. But sure enough, something amazing happens. The wind starts blowing. The Holy Spirit comes in. And just as Jesus promised, the Holy Spirit took up residence inside of each one of those people in that room. They started talking in foreign languages they never knew before so that everybody they talked to could understand what they were saying about the risen Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Peter, the one who denied Jesus three times, goes out into the courtyard and preaches a sermon. 3,000 people, probably more than that because they only counted men at the time. Sorry, I, didn't, I don't make the rules. But, you know, if you put women and children in there, there's probably lots of people, probably 4,000, 5,000 people. Who knows? But this group of people all professed their faith, believing that Jesus Christ had risen from the dead. And when we talk about all the believers, this is the group. This is the they that Luke is writing about in Acts. And from this group, for thousands and thousands of years, amazing things have happened. And you might be asking the question that I ask, what was so special about that group? There's some obvious things. I mean, Jesus, first of all, you know, we can do all things through Jesus, right? The Holy Spirit, who Jesus said will give you power to do amazing things. But there's more to it than that, because we can all love Jesus with our whole heart and soul and strength and mind. We can all invite the Holy Spirit to do work in our lives, but there was something else. And Luke wouldn't have put this in there if uh, God wouldn't have inspired Luke to put it in there if God didn't think this was something important for us to remember. And the thing that was so special about them is this concept of being together, this concept of being community. They devoted themselves to being together. They devoted themselves to sharing common interests. They devoted themselves to eating meals together, to praying together, to studying the word together. Not just like out there, we're going to study the word and then we'll come in on Sundays and then we'll go back out. They didn't do that. It says they were together all the time. And this is an amazing thing because we know the rest of the story. We're here. We're here. And if it hadn't been for that community, if it hadn't been for that something special inspired by the risen Jesus Christ, Jesus above all, and then community after that, if it hadn't been for that, if they hadn't continued that, we wouldn't be here today. We wouldn't be sitting in this room. 
we wouldn't be singing praise songs. We wouldn't be listening to the word. We might not even know about Jesus. Together, there is power. Together, there is energy. And together, there is focus. And together, there is this electricity. And together, something is just different than us spending our lives in a closet by ourselves. Because, because we might be okay by ourselves, right? I mean, we can all do some pretty cool things. Anybody think they got some special talents they can do? They can do some stuff, right? They can do some stuff. I can build a shed. You know, I can build a deck. I can put siding on my house. You know, I can preach a sermon. We might be able to do some cool things alone. We might even have some flashes of greatness. We might have some things that people would say, wow, that's a great thing. But here's what I want us to understand today. No matter what we can do by ourselves, no matter what we think we got going on that's so good, together is better. Together is always better. This is not just something we say here at Hope Springs Church. We believe this. It's not just pretty words we put on a sign. It's not something that I thought would make a cool hashtag, better together. You know, and everybody sees it, and everybody clicks on it, and we see a whole bunch of pretty, pe- pretty people, at, you know, at the church and all that kind of stuff. We want to embrace this. We need to embrace this. This is one of the things that, that has been on my heart, that God put on my heart, that I believe makes us different than a lot of other faith communities, is that we are simply better together. It's at the core of who we are. It's at the core of what we do. It's this concept of uncommon unity that says, no matter what's going on out in that world that will divide us if we let it, there is one thing, a relationship with Jesus Christ that far out weighs all of that and is so much more life-giving that we put aside all those things in the world and come together as one group of people. Amen. That's right. We believe that. And, and sometimes we have to ask the question, what actually makes us better together? What, what, what is there, you know, what are the upsides of this? Because, you know, we could all come to church on Sundays and sit in a seat and not talk to anybody, get our worship on, raise our hands, listen to a word, go home. And, you know, most of us could probably live a pretty normal life. I, I happen to like my solitude. You know, I, I like being by myself. It doesn't bother me at all. But what are the benefits? What, what, what makes it so much better to be together? Because this is a hard concept. This is not something that comes easy to us in the 21st century because we like our autonomy. We like to be the captain of our own ship. We like to, you know, do all these things that we consider me-driven, We buy books on self-improvement. We buy books on how to be your best you. We live in the me generation. We all want our 15 minutes of YouTube fame. We all like our 100 likes on Facebook when we post something, you know. You know, you got to be honest. When you post something on Facebook, don't you go back there and check to see how many people responded to it? Don't you go back there and check to see how many people liked it? Am I the only one? You all are staring at me with blank faces, right? I see hand. I see an honest person all the way in the back. I get it. I get it. We like us. We like us a lot. We like us sometimes too much because sometimes, look, I'm going to push a little bit. Sometimes I think we think that we're better than we really are. There is something to be said about the community that centers around the risen Jesus Christ. Take pie, for instance. Last week we talked about cake. Today we're going to take pie. 
I'm not talking about cake today. Pie. Pie, pie, pie. I love pie. I love pie better than cake, by the way. So if there's a contest going on, cake or pie, it's always pie. It's always pie. It's always pie. Anybody in my pie corner? Come on. Let's hear it for pie. And I don't care what it is, cherry pie, apple pie, peach pie, pineapple pie, uh, you know, coconut cream pie, uh, chocolate pie, chocolate pudding pie. I even had I even had bacon pie one time, and it was delicious. I did. Bacon pie was delicious, but my favorite of all was key lime pie. Key lime pie, anybody in the key lime pie corner? Now, would you all not agree that pie on its own is just an amazing thing? Yes. Now. There's whipped cream. And I want to tell you how much I love whipped cream, how good I think whipped cream is by itself. I will actually go into an ice cream shop. I have been known to do this. And instead of ordering ice cream in the dish, I will just have them bring the dish full of whipped cream. And I will eat that whipped cream with a spoon. Just the whipped cream. It is that good. It is that amazing. Now, if you take that great thing called pie and you take that great thing called whipped cream and you put them together, and I'm talking about put them together, right? You get a slice of pie and then you put so much whipped cream on it that you can't even see the pie. Now, that is great. That is great. Some things are just better together. Pie with whipped cream is always better than pie by itself and whipped cream by itself. Alone, we can have some greatness, but together, we can have all the greatness. We can do all the amazing things that God calls us to do in this world. What you have, I might not have. What I have, you might not have. We fill in the gaps. We make everybody better together and think about it when we're together when we embrace that that concept of uncommon unity there's some things that we inherit just because of that the first is that we are uncommonly complete uncommonly complete remember jerry Maguire? you complete me right you had me at jesus other than god which we all know we need The one thing we're missing in our lives is people. This was God's original design all the way back from Genesis. He said, it is not good for man to be alone. If God wanted us to be alone, he would have created Adam and a bunch of other people who just lived way far away and nobody would ever talk to each other. But he didn't do that. He created people so that people can have people. It's this sense of completeness. Paul writes it this way. He's writing to the church in Rome. Romans 12, verse 4 says, Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Think about your body. This is what Paul's doing. He's, he's giving us this comparison of our body. Now, we got hands, we got fingers, we got wrists, we got forearms, elbows, shoulders, torso, knees, hips, feet, toes, all that kind of stuff. And that's great. But imagine if you just took one of those things off by itself and tried it. If you took your hand, popped it off, set it over there. I mean, it does not work like it in the Adams family, right? It does not. Or thing. What's his name? Thing. Thing, right? Thing. Hands do not walk around by themselves. We need it all together. We need it all together. And this is what God has designed for us. We need each other. This is God's design that we together work to be his agents of redemption in the world. And the church is not complete without that sense of togetherness. 
And we all know this to be true. We all know that you've got to have the right things in the right place for the things to happen that God wants to happen. Anybody ever done a project at home? And, you know, you got all great intentions. Maybe you're fixing a leaky faucet or maybe you got to put a new toilet in or maybe you're putting wallpaper up or painting or new. I don't know, whatever it is. We've all been here. I know we have. And you get into it and you start and you start working. And then all of a sudden you're like, huh, I need another tool. So then you go over to Home Depot. And if you're like me, you spend like three hours walking around Home Depot window shopping and you get the tool you need and you come back. And you do a little bit more, and you're like, oh, while I was at Home Depot, I should have gotten some masking tape. And then you go back to Home Depot or Lowe's. I'm an equal opportunity home improvement store. I don't care which one it is. And you get your stuff you need, and you come back, and you go, and then eventually you're making like five trips to the hardware store. You know, if you're like me, you finally just get tired of going to Home Depot, so you go to Ace Hardware, pay twice as much, but you get what you need. You know, I'm sorry. That's the way it is, but, you know, it's, it is what it is. And then, you know, this, this three-hour project has now taken like six days to complete because you're just, you've run out of time because you're going to the hardware store. Sometimes, sometimes things go much better when you have all the tools you need right in the one place so that you can get the thing done. And this is what God needs from us. God needs us together because his plan Our purpose, which is to be God's agents of redemption in this world, to go out and make a difference, requires that all of his tools be together in the same toolbox. So we have this sense of completeness, this uncommonly complete picture of being together. And then we are uncommonly strengthened. The writer of Ecclesiastes says, though one one may be overpowered, Two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Listen, folks, here's the truth. In this world, we are under constant attack. The enemy will do anything in his power to pull us off mission. The enemy will do anything in his power to pull us away from God. The enemy will do anything in his power to pull us away from each other. He will put lies in our head. He will show us temptations that say, oh, I'm going to go over this way. He will divert us. He will get us off mission. And, and, and he does this all the time. And we have this misconception that the closer we get to God, the less those attacks are going to be. But it's the opposite. The closer we're walking with God, the madder he gets. He's like, oh, no, I'm going to do everything I can, everything I can, everything I can. And when we are together in this community, we build each other up. We lift each other up. If you're having some, some faith doubts, there's somebody who can come alongside of you to lift you up. If you are being attacked from all sides, there is somebody or people or more people who got your six, who are all there, who can do whatever they need to do to lift you up. It's this amazing thing where together we are just stronger than any of us are apart. I used to watch this show called Spartan Race. I don't think it's on anymore. It was a pretty cool show. And it was these groups of like five elite athletes per team. And these guys and girls were buff. I mean, they were like, I wouldn't mess with them. And they did all these kind of obstacle stuff. They had to push like stones and jump over things and go through mud, and climb ropes and swim and all this kind of stuff. And, and at the end of this course, they had this wall. And I guess that wall was probably 30 feet high. And it was on a really steep incline. And, and the premise was the first team to get all five of their participants over the wall was the winner. About the time they got to the wall, 
They were all wet. They were all muddy. They were tired. They were exhausted. There was no way one person could climb up that wall by himself. There were no holes like climbing a rock wall or anything like that. It was just a smooth, slick wooden surface all the way up to the top at an incline like that. So the only thing they could do was to work together to become stronger. So they would take the biggest guy they had, and he would stand at the bottom like this. And then the other guy would climb up and stand on his shoulders. And they would start climbing up these people like a totem pole, standing on each other's shoulders. Now, that sounds all cool, but imagine being the guy at the bottom by the time you got four people standing on top of you or five pe- or three people standing on top of you. That takes strength in numbers. That's the only way they can do it. And then the final person climbs up and gets over top the wall now. That's not the end of it because then that person has got to hold everybody else up while the bottom people climb up over the top to get all five people across the wall. There is strength in community. There is strength when we as God's people put aside all of our differences. God calls us to amazing, big, amazing things. And sometimes those things can take everything we got. And the only way we're going to get those done is by the strength that comes from the community of believers centered around Jesus Christ. So we are uncommonly strengthened. Then we are uncommonly united. And this is the big thing for me because this world, this world wants to divide us. This world is full of so many divisive tactics. This world wants to separate us. This world wants, it's like that herd mentality, right? If you, if you separate off the weakest one, then they're an easy kill. I don't know if that's the way the world thinks, but there are so many things that can separate us in this world if we let them. And sometimes we do. You know, your upbringing. Maybe you were brought up one way, somebody was brought up the other way. With the tendency in this world is to say, well, I can't be, you're from the other side of the tracks. Did my mic just cut out? Oh, no, there it is. Politics, money, racial tensions, socioeconomic tensions, you name it. You know, there is something out there, if you look hard enough, that is designed to divide us. And sometimes we invent our own things. Sometimes we just think, oh, well, I'm A and you're B, so we can't be together. We can't do that kind of thing. But all that stuff goes away if we look to Jesus and we say, look, this is what Jesus did for me. Jesus showed me grace that I didn't deserve. Can I take that grace and show it to the other people in this world? Because at the end of the day, what's important? Is it the things that divide us or is it our relationship with Jesus? Paul writes this to the church in Galatia. It says, in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. We've all been adopted into the same family. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Jesus, all the things of this world that can divide us. And Paul only gives us a short list. He gives us some, some, some social things, right, Jew and Gentile. He gives us some, some uh, 
gender things, male and female. He gives us, you know, some socioeconomic, slave or free. He gives us a few things, but we can put everything in that list. We can put everything that there is in this world that divides us. That was pretty cool. Uh, With everything in this world that divides us in that list. And what Paul is saying is that none of that matters. None of that matters. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we are asking him to do something inside of us that should allow us to say, none of that matters in this world. I will be part of my community. I I will look to my community. I will ask them to help me. I will help them. I will be a part of that. We are better together of all the stuff that divides us in this world. We are united by something that is higher and stronger and further above all of that junk. That's what we call uncommon unity. It's not common. The world doesn't think that's the way to be. The world thinks we should be divided. But Jesus says, I came so you didn't have to label yourselves that way. I came so you didn't have to worry about those things that divide us. And the best part of all this is that when we allow God to work to make us more complete, when we allow God to work to make us stronger as a group, when we allow God to unite us in that way around him, something strange happens. We become, as a church, as a group of Jesus followers, we become uncommonly magnetic to the world around us. Let me finish this story in Acts. Verse 46, Acts 2, 46 says, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That deserves an amen. Amen. They had something about them. That whenever they were around people, wherever they went, wherever they were preaching the gospel, it doesn't say that God just added more people to the church. It doesn't say God just allowed more people to come in the doors and sit in the seats and not do anything. It doesn't say that God had more people come in the building. It says he had more people come to a relationship with Jesus Christ. That is our mission. We are commanded to love God and love others, but our mission, we are charged by Jesus himself to go and make disciples of this world and listen if we look like the world if this church looks like the world where we have our own divisions and we have our own little sex and our own little cliques if we're infighting if we're like i don't like that and i don't like that and i don't like that and i don't like that imagine what the world sees when it looks in on a church like that And the sad fact is, we all know a church or two that looks like that, don't we? Some of us have probably been a part of a church like that. That's not the way it was designed, but but if the world sees us displaying this concept of uncommon unity, where we truly can say, Jesus is working in my life. I am being transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Something is different in me. If we are going to say we're different, then we have to look different. We have to embrace that difference. And we can say, because of what Jesus has done for me, I'm not going to pay any attention to what the world says. I am going to come to this place where I love everybody and I will do anything for anybody that is in my group, in my posse, in my people who are my ride or dies. That is this concept of uncommon unity. And look, if the world sees that, They're going to be like, how do I get in on that? 
How do I get in on that? Because the world seeks to divide us. And I can tell you right now that there are so many people out there who feel alone, who feel discarded, who feel less than. And for so long, the church has been one of those places that just points fingers and looks down their nose and divides even further. You better get good before you come here. You better get clean before you come here. But we don't ever, ever want to be that way. Because of what Jesus has done for us, we should be on our knees thanking him and then saying, God, whatever you want me to do, whoever you want me to love, I don't care what they look like. I don't care what they say. I don't care what they think. I'm going to love them. I'm going to bring them in. That is this concept of uncommon unity. And listen, I don't want us to be mistaken. We think this is about us. But it's really not. It's not about us. It's not about forming cliques within the church. It's not about forming a clique of the church. It's not about being the cool kids on the block, right? We're better than that church down the road. We love each other here. You guys don't. It's not about that. It's not about what we look like appearance-wise to the outside world, uh, as if to say, look at us, look what we're doing. It's not about that at all. It's not about us. It's not about our own will. It's not about our own wishes. It's not about our own desires. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus and what Jesus has done for us. And Jesus says, if you allow me to, I will make you a new person. I will transform you with the Holy Spirit from the inside out. I will transform you so that you don't have to worry about those things. And listen, Jesus dealt with the same things. His world was full of division, rules, and Pharisees, and religion, and the Roman government taxing these people and not taxing those people, and slavery, and all that kind of stuff. Jesus dealt with it, but he died to do away with that. He died so that everybody who puts their faith and hope in Jesus Christ can be adopted into one family, all his family. We are all his family. We are all heirs. We are all children of God, and because of the grace we have been given, we need to just step up and show that grace to everyone around us. If we can do that, that's where we get to this place of uncommon unity. I don't want us to be back in high school in the high school cafeteria. Everybody remember the high school cafeteria? I do. Worst place ever. You know what I'm talking about, right? This table over here has got all the jocks sitting at it. And this table over here has got all the, you know, math geeks. And this table over here has got all the heads. And this table over here has got all the emos. I don't even know what they call all the groups now. This table over here has got what my daughter would call the Pop-Tarts. That's all the pretty people who think they're better than everybody else. And nobody, you know, like Mean Girls. Everybody seen the movie Mean Girls? They would be Pop-Tarts. There's all these little cliques. There's all these little divisions. It was the worst place in my life because when I walked into that room, I knew everybody was looking at me and saying, you don't belong here. You don't fit here. Thank goodness I was a band geek, because let me tell you what, band geeks take everybody. <laughs> we don't care. You play an instrument, you're welcome. Come on in. But I always felt less than. I always felt like I was a little bit on the outside. I mean, I wasn't always this cool, strong, debonair, good-looking guy that you see standing in front of you. I was literally four foot ten until the middle of the 11th grade. I was this little short dude. You know, imagine me in high school. I mean, the, the hat we had to wear in marching band was almost as big as I was. True story. Patty can tell you. <laughs> they were. We were called the marching Q-tips. You've all been there. 
You've all felt like you weren't a part. You've all felt excluded. People put labels on us. People put dividers on us. People put all this junk on us that says, you can't be a part of what we're doing. And sometimes they still do that. You know, the high school lunchroom still exists. It exists in this world. And I'm going to push a little bit more because sometimes we'll think to ourselves, they put the labels on us. But we have to be careful that we don't do it to ourselves. We have to be careful that we don't put our own labels on the world. We have to be careful that we don't fall into the same trap. It's so easy. It's so easy to just be taken down that stream. But we've got to come to this place where we say it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if somebody thinks differently than me. It doesn't matter if somebody's brain doesn't work with the same logical flow that mine does because you don't want to be in my brain. Let me tell you what, I'd be excluded from everything. It doesn't matter if somebody looks different than us. It doesn't matter if somebody goes on rants on Facebook 24-7. It doesn't matter if somebody dresses different than us. It doesn't matter if somebody had a beer before they came into this place. It doesn't matter if somebody's battling addiction. It doesn't matter if somebody is somebody that you wouldn't hang around when you were in high school doesn't matter if somebody's standing on a street corner needing a shower smelly and dirty it doesn't matter what people are it doesn't matter who they are it doesn't matter what they look like we have to come to this place where we say god has given me grace me imperfect sinner he's given me grace and i am going to show that grace to the world i'm going to show that grace to the world and we can only do this i know it's hard i know this is tough we can only do this if we allow Jesus to take a higher priority than all the junk that's in this world. That's the only way this can happen. That's the only way this can happen. We can't rely on our feelings. We can't rely on our labels. We can't rely on our, our own will or our own wishes or our own thoughts. Listen, if we're supposed to be a people who have been transformed from our former selves to our new selves, then that transformation needs to show. That transformation needs to say, I don't care who you are, where you've been, what you say, what you do, what you think, what you act, what you look like. It doesn't matter. We are all family. Come on in. Come on in. Come on in. Because our relationship with Jesus is bigger than anything else this world can throw at us. And that's the way it needs to be. Imagine what that would look like. Imagine if this church was just that kind of church. And, and let, let me tell you, I'm not like, we're doing okay. We're doing okay. But here's the thing that happens we have to be really careful about. The longer we go, the more mature we get as a church, the more tendency we can have to let these things slip in. The more tendency we can have to just like the people that we like. We talk to them every Sunday, so they're my people, right? And we don't ever want to be that people. But imagine if we, if we do this, if we keep this going, if we just even make it better, this, this concept of uncommon unity. Imagine the community that we can create within the communities here. There are people out here right now who feel alone, who feel desperate, who may be thinking about doing something that we don't want them to think about doing. Imagine if they had a place like that where they could come in here and we'd say, we don't care where you've been. We don't care what you've done. That's what Jesus says. Jesus doesn't say get better, get right, make sure you have this label, make sure you dress that way, make sure you act that way. He says, no, come to me. However you are right now, 
Come to me right now, and I'll take care of the rest. That's the place we need to be. This church is not a place for us to sit on Sundays. This church is a hospital. This church is a place for broken people. This church is a place for, look, look I've read this the other day. It says, you know, if the church looks imperfect, it should, because you're in it. I'm in it. We're imperfect. We're imperfect, but imagine what this would look like. Imagine the lives that could be healed. Imagine the chains that can be broken in this place of uncommon unity. Imagine the people that we can attract to Jesus. How irresistible we can make him look to the world if we embrace this concept of completeness, this concept of strength in numbers, this concept of unity that God wants us. Imagine the good we can do. Imagine the family we can create. Imagine the, the, the oasis in the desert of division that we can, we can create in this place if we embrace that. Imagine the people we can lead to Jesus. There's people all over here who probably won't come to a church because they say, I know what those church people are like. And that's sad. That's a shame. Because we want them to say, I need to be there because I know what those church people are like. This is our vision. This has always been our vision. God put this on mine and Susie's heart from the very beginning, that we be a place where nothing that the world sees as important matters in here. And it has to be that way. It has to be that way. So I want you to do something today. I know that our numbers are a little small today because of summer, but um, I would like you, before you leave today, to go introduce yourself to somebody you don't know. And if you know everybody here, then spend some time talking to somebody you might not normally talk to. Get their number. Get their Facebook. Friend them on Facebook, Instagram, I don't care. Just find a way to start connecting with somebody you wouldn't normally connect with. Let's, let's just make sure that there is nothing that divides us in this place. Let's just make sure that no matter who comes in here, they can look at us and say, I want to be a part of that. I want that. I want that. And listen, if you've ever felt, or maybe you came in here today feeling like you were on the outside, I want you to know that there is a place, this place, here, Hope Springs Church, where we will do everything we can. We may not be perfect. We may make mistakes. We may fail. But we will do everything we can to embrace the grace that God has given us and show that grace to the world. And that all starts with a relationship with Jesus. And maybe you never had that. Maybe you've never considered what life might look like Maybe you've looked at a church and said, I don't want to have anything to do with that. So that Jesus must not be as good as they say it is because I see those church people. I, I want to tell you that that's not true. Life may not be perfect with Jesus, but it's certainly better. It's certainly better. There is peace. There is joy. There is fulfillment. These are all the things he promises. And if we do it right, there is a community that will always have your back, no matter what. No matter what goes on. And so if you haven't ever asked Jesus to take control of your life, as we do every week, we are going to lead a prayer. And maybe you've been thinking about this for a while. Maybe you're watching online. Maybe you've been thinking about this for a while and just have never done it. Maybe you need to recommit yourself to that relationship with Jesus that transforms in such a way that we can't even understand. So with all heads bowed, 
We know that scripture says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Son of God, and you believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, then you will be saved. And so, Jesus, we believe you are the Son of God. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross as payment for my sin. Jesus, I believe you rose on the third day, defeating death. And Jesus, I want you to be in control of my life. I surrender. I turn from my old life, Jesus, and I turn towards you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for anybody who has made that decision today and those who have recommitted themselves to this, this, this family of yours. A family that can't be broken. A family that should be irresistible to the world because we are driven by your grace and your love and your mercy and your kindness. Help us to be that people, God. Help us to break down the barriers. Help us to break down the divisions. Help us to do away with the labels, to erase those name tags that we have put on ourselves. God, and just look to you. Just look to you, God. And finally, we ask that you keep everybody here healthy.